Hey, it's Matt here. Uh, we've got a cool interview for you this week. Jenna and I spoke to Joseph Schmelke. He's a comic book author and illustrator. He's got a Kickstarter running right now for his new book called Whore of Babylon. If you're into horror or comics, or, or even more specifically horror comics, then check it out because you'll probably enjoy it. Uh, we'll put links to everything in the show notes. Um, please let us know what you think. Uh, if you want us to do more interviews and who you'd like us to interview, uh, head over to multiplenerdgasm.com for all our contact details. But for now, please enjoy this interview with Joseph Schmolke. Uh, Joseph Schmolke is the creator, writer, and artist behind The Calamitous Black Devils, The Infernal Pact, and the upcoming Whore of Babylon. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, it's good to have you. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, so did you guys uh, get a chance to read um, Infernal Pact? It was Calamitous Black Devils you guys got, right? We did. Yeah, we yeah. bought Calamitous Black Devils. Uh, I then got Infernal Pact on Comixology so I could read it as well because I actually I really enjoyed Calamitous Black Devils. So, Oh, cool. I was like, awesome. yeah, I was like, cool. I'll check them both out. And now I'm excited about the new one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so with Calamitous Black Devils, um, that that got picked up after um, pretty much issue two was being wrapped up. So all that mm-hmm. anybody had seen at that point was issue one. And yeah. um, so then it, it became like, no, you're no longer putting out issues. Uh, we're, we're just going to do it as a graphic novel. And then there was a specific date it had mm-hmm. to be done by. And I think that if I had been able to put out the singles, it would have been more like a 12 issue comic right. rather than, so it would have been much bigger, like a lot more depth with the characters and stuff. But I, um, you know, it was my first attempt at uh, yeah. creating my own book. And that's a great uh, first attempt. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, you know, I, um, you look at your peers, right? So I just yeah. started looking at, um, books that I liked and I, I was like, okay, why do I, why do I like this? And I just started breaking it down, uh, like that. And I actually met, um, <laughs> and this is embarrassing cause I can't remember his name, but I met one of <laughs> the editors for DC comics at Boston comic con, uh, the year that, that I got picked up and I just mm-hmm. wanted some critiquing some feedback and um, you know, he gave me some advice. He didn't say anything like, you know, my work was shit or anything. He was just like, Oh, it's, you know, you could do this different. You could do that different. So I started taking his advice. Then mm-hmm. um, I showed it to uh, CB Sobolewski the next year who uh, works for Marvel and, and he gave me more advice. So when I went into the infernal pact, um, I had already started creating some of the pages. Uh, yeah. so I couldn't use his uh, nuggets of wisdom for parts of issue one. But uh, as I went through the the process, so yeah, you, you listen to the people that are in the industry and yeah. mm-hmm. the books that you like, and you can sort of start to, to figure out how things are supposed to, you know, how the, the whole art of paneling a, a comic book is like something in of itself too. It's not just, the artwork it's it's like you know there are words on the page and how many words can you use and so i uh, yeah right yeah and um rachel deering who lettered issue one of the infernal pact um i like sent her the script and she's like no no no, no. you've you've completely we can't use this and so <laughs> um she sort of get, she schooled me on you know rules that had to do with lettering and um you know it, how many words you can physically use on a panel without it being like just a roadblock for the reader. So, yeah, right. yeah. um, yeah, it's been a learning process. I'm still learning. 
you know, I don't, <laughs> I always feel like there's room for improvement. I'm never, I, and that goes for anything in life. It's like, I never feel like I'm the, the number one guy that has all the answers, but I feel like I'm getting better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, uh, Infernal Pact, I was pretty happy with how that turned out as compared to Calamitous Black Devils, which Calamitous Black Devils, the story is really cool. And I might revisit it, um, when I'm done with what I'm doing now and yeah. go back and, and maybe, you know, extend it and redo some of the artwork and yeah. Cause I, I, I really, you know, I love that book for how long does it take you like from concept to finishing the book? That depends. Um, so Calamitous Black Devils, because I had a deadline and everything, and I mm-hmm. think you'll see it too in the artwork, it gets a little rushed towards the end. Right. But, you know, you look at most comic book series and the artwork gets better. And I feel like with that series, it got worse towards the end. <laughs> and, um, but that's, you know, that's just my opinion of it too. Um, so with that book, I was able to produce about two pages a day. Okay. And, and as far as the writing goes, that's actually the longest part. Um, because I, I, I can't tell you how long it takes me to write something sometimes like, sure. uh, infernal pact came pretty quick. Um, I think I wrote it in like two months mm-hmm. it was done. Like the whole series was written. And then with, um, Calamitous black devils, I was actually still writing it issue by issue. So I didn't have like an ending until I got right, the yeah. ending. And then like, yeah, did it Stephen King style. <laughs> it, it was very organic. You know, it's like one of these things like, well, how is this going to work? And then you, you don't want to follow into you, you don't want to do too many cliche things. You don't want to make it too predictable. But mm-hmm. um, you also want to make it you, you have to tie up all these ends, these loose ends and stuff. And I don't, I don't know how successfully I did that. I feel like I had so many left open that I was just like, well, there's more to it. And but it kind of leaves room for a sequel that way. Yeah. 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 It, but it's also kind of a cop out too sometimes because you're like, right. <laughs> the intention was to tell one story, mm. not make right. multiple stories. But I feel like if you read that and I never wrote something about it again, you'd be okay with it. Um, yeah. Well, sometimes, it, you know, you don't want everything explained and they can go too far with that too. So, yes. It, you know. Yes. The art- yeah, it's nice to leave the reader like the chance to fill in the blanks. Yes. Yeah, just like a movie, you know, um, mm. nobody needs to go. You don't need a 20 minute long exposition of some talking <laughs> head, like telling yeah. you yeah. the and show us what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or give us little hints here and there and let people put the, the pieces together on their own. But uh, Horror of Babylon, I started writing it in December and I finished it maybe a month and a half ago. Right. Okay. So. It's a much longer process, but it is a complete story. It stands alone. It's all by itself. And uh, I'm really like, I think this is my best piece of writing that I've done so far. Uh, Cool. It's, it's like a pretty epic journey for this woman who, um, so yeah, I'll tell you right now. uh, I have a Kickstarter up called horror Mm -hmm. and it's about this um, shock rocker, Cherry Blackbird who has, um, sold her soul under distress, under duress, uh, for fame and fortune. And I, I won't tell you what, why she had to sell her soul because that comes out in the wash later. <laughs> but, um, basically, I, like, I, I won't say why, but I do like your explanation for 
why she does that? I think it's a good theory. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, she, she sells her soul. She becomes kind of like a degenerate, um, just just the worst kind of celebrity you can think of where mm-hmm. she's kind of a shithead and she is a chronic alcoholic and drug user. But she like the thing is, is that because she sold her soul, she just doesn't care because she knows that she's got this time. She's not mm-hmm. die beforehand. And and that's never really fully explained. But in my mind, I feel like if you sell your soul to the devil, he'll keep you alive until the contract's up just because he's <laughs> like that. Yeah. So, um, uh, basically she's given up all hope in life and the, the devil comes to her on her 26th birthday and basically says that if, um, she can collect these seven demonic spirits that have escaped from hell, then, um, he'll give her a pass. Mm-hmm. So, um, there it is. That's like the, the build up to the story. And then she goes off on this journey, uh, to collect these, these spirits and the, these demonic souls. And, um, she meets people along the, like one of them is her best friend who's the bassist in her band. And, uh, then she meets the black hen and, mm-hmm. and he's got his, uh, crony, this, this woman, uh, who ends up later on becoming their drummer. And so it's kind of like, it's fun in some ways. It's, it's got, um, it's got some dark humor. There's, I like to laugh and I like to grow <laughs> out at the same time. And cool. it's also like, it's got a lot of, um, that exploitative feel of a 1970s film where it's got like awesome cheesy one liners and stuff like that. But, it, you know, mixed with gross out, it's very like, I, I, I guess it would be comparable to something like the evil dead part two. Oh, nice. Stuff. <laughs> um, perfect. But it's also got a sleaze factor to it too. So lots of nudity, violence, um, you know, filthy language, drug use. It's pretty fun. Um, so it's kind of a sequel to the infernal pact, right? Cause I know, I mean, uh, it's got some returning characters from what I can tell. Some returning characters. Yes. The black being like the most prominent one. Uh, Mm -hmm. but there are others. Um, okay, cool. But uh, you don't have to read the Infernal Pact to figure out who they are or why they fit into cool. the story. Okay. It gets explained. But okay. yeah, the, the Infernal Pact, for anybody that doesn't know, is um, this story about these three meth heads that sell their soul for drugs. Uh, <laughs> they wind up first. They're turning into um, the, the woman, Beatrice, who's the like leader of the, the three dumbasses that do this. Uh, she, she turns into this witch monster and like eats people with her vagina and the, <laughs> the guys turn into werewolves and, um, they, they have these blackout moments and they start slaughtering people and they end up killing this biker and they get hunted down by this biker gang that ends up worshiping this demon. And, uh, so this demon's got his own agenda and the devil's got its own agenda and, they're trying to, you know, save themselves from, you know, being cursed. And it, it, that's also a fun story. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and the way well, that's, that's kind of what drew us to you in, uh, in the first place. We met you at Boston Comic-Con. Yes. Uh, and uh, firstly, the art style, because you had some stuff on display uh, and you had a portrait of H.P. Lovecraft. And then you described the plot of, uh, of Calamitous Black Devils. And I was like, well, I mean, I got to buy this guy's stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, well, uh, Calamitous Black Devils is like the kitchen sinks being thrown at you. You know, it's World War II horror <laughs> stuff. Yeah, with, 
yeah. elite brigade of army operatives and you know Nazi zombies and ancient gods <laughs> and they get sucked through a doorway and there's mutants and aliens and yeah it's crazy yeah it's, it's, all, it's a good story to pull people in yeah they're all all of them have, I mean I mean I've read the two uh, and they, they they are fun and like like you know over the top and and great so uh, I think our listeners would probably enjoy them quite a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> if they like listening to us they'll probably like reading your stories <laughs> the, the wheelhouse is definitely invented for people you know for my books is definitely for people that like the horror and sci-fi genre and if you like yeah. art comedy and stuff like that uh certainly horror babylon will be up your alley as well so. yeah and then um so yeah that kickstarter is running now i got all sorts of cool stuff with it i me and my wife we also make a uh, tijuana bible and those are like mini porn comics. So um, <laughs> what happens is I sort of, I draw a couple of things and then she writes a story about it. And then, <laughs> so the the first one we did is about uh, basically the, the Duke and Duchess infiltrate this. Um, and, and they're pretty brainless stories because it's all about, you know, the stuff. it's just the porn. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's the, it's the yeah. <laughs> they, they go to they do like a Scooby Doo investigation of this ancient cult and realize that it's full of shemales that they end up getting into an orgy with. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next one, they go in search of the abominable snowman, and so you can. I, I don't have to tell you anymore. That's that's all you. Sure, need. we can. Uh, yep. Sure. <laughs> um, so that, that's available through uh, the Kickstarter. Uh, we also have, um, so I got four variant covers by some pretty cool artists. Uh, mm. J- yeah, those are cool. Woodward. Yeah. Um, so I got J.K. Woodward. He does Doctor Who and Star Trek, and he did um, Fallen Angel. So he, he's pretty big name out there. His is like a painting, and he pretty much just did a rogues gallery for the um, the cover. Yes. And um, got Ben Bishop, who's been working on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and he's got a lot of variant covers coming out for them. Uh, then there's uh, Warner Glum, which is a, a pseudonym for another artist, and he uh, is the artist for Escape from Jesus Island. And he did he, his is like a fully digital painted piece where she's like rocking out on the cover. And then um, Rich Woodall, who has been working on Kyra Jungle Girl with uh, Craig Russo for Dark Horse Comics. Cool. Uh, and he zombie bomb and um, his artwork's pretty amazing. He did a, like a, a rat fink sort of cover. So they all, they all came at me with their different interpretations of like what a rock poster would look like. And I thought that was pretty cool. And yeah. It's yeah. Awesome. yeah. It's great for the reward tiers as well. Yeah. 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 And then the, my cover will glow in the dark. Because yeah. <laughs> so you got a, you got an extra right? edge on them. <laughs> well, yeah. The thing is, that's going to be the regular edition, right? So yeah. um, that's how it's going to be printed. Yeah, cool. for you know however, however long it goes. But um, the variant covers are all limited in quantity, mm-hmm. and they're only getting one print run. Just cool. to sort of incentivize it uh, for, and you know, it's not just going to be in the Kickstarter. Like if you can find me at a convention later. I'll probably mm-hmm. have a couple of those on me too, but uh, the regular edition is mostly what's being printed. And then um, we got exclusive posters. Uh, somebody got the uh, tier reward, which is you could be the devil in this comic. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. So, That's awesome. Some, I, I know the person who, who got it too. So it's going to be interesting to, um, 
do that person as the devil. And then <laughs> you can be a victim. So you can get killed. Uh, <laughs> nice. And I, I kind of like, I saw that uh, Luther Strode had done that. Um, the artist from that was like, you know, you can be a victim in my comic. And I was like, that's a pretty cool idea. So <laughs> it is. It's- I, I was like, who, you know, somebody could get like blown up or ripped apart or something. And in <laughs> this book, I have like, you know, there's a bunch of people get wasted at one point. And so mm-hmm. that, that's where the victims could be in there. And it's kind of cool when, when people buy those, because I don't have to think of what a character is going to look like. It's I have <laughs> right. for it. So I'm like, that's, it's a win-win for me. Yeah. And it makes them feel like they're a part of it. Yeah. But it but, also, cause we did a Kickstarter. Um, we made a video once and we found there were a lot of setbacks with them. The amount of money that people put in, we found that we were, spending that or almost that amount on the rewards. Yeah, we mostly just did t-shirts and physical things. And I think uh, things so, like what, what you you're talking about, they're way better because it's personal for the person. Right. And it doesn't, you're not going to like, it doesn't cost you anything <laughs> extra to. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, like a, yeah. Um, it, so my buddy, Ben, he, he said to me not too long ago, he was just like, you know, I like to approach things in a DIY sort of, mm-hmm. uh, approach, you know, do everything yourself. What could I produce on my own that doesn't cost me anything, but can like right. make somebody a part of it. And so, yeah, I was like, all right, what can I do all by myself that I don't need, you know, a printer or, you know, a low, a low cost to me to, to make this happen. So I have a lot yeah. of stuff like that in there too, where yes, it costs, it costs me my time. It costs me my effort. Right. But I also get to make something really cool at, uh, on the other end. Um, yeah. Like the, the Tijuana Bibles, we make those in our house. <laughs> and um, part of that is because I don't want to lose any kind of relationships with printers. But um, <laughs> the other part is I want it to look authentic. And um, so I, I sold a couple of these at Boston to people that actually collect Tijuana Bibles. And they were like really happy with them. They're like, oh, my oh, God, wow. these look so so I knew I did it right. And, um, and I make them in a small batch too. So they're like a limited thing. I make them, myself, right. but you know, it, it takes time and effort to put these together cause they're all done by hand. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, if you can include people in it, they'll, they'll share the hell out of your project. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The other thing is too, um, actually today, um, I believe you backed, Yes, Matthew. I backed. Yes, I did. Yes. So uh, I think you put us over the amount of people that we actually had for our last Kickstarter campaign. Oh, oh wow. cool. So we've actually gone over the amount of people that have backed the project from all my other previous projects. So that's, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> and we're- so what did you learn by doing like because you've done two previous Kickstarters before? Is there anything you picked up from those that yes. you realized didn't work or? Yes. So, um, from the first one, I got a pretty brutal review from, uh, John Leeds, who is a writer for uh, comics tribe. I don't know if he works exclusively with them or anything, but he's a really good writer. And, um, he looked at the calamitous black devils and gave me a, a lot of feedback on that, but that that wasn't necessarily good, but mm-hmm. right. if you're going to be in this for, the long run, you're going to make mistakes and you got to learn and you can't mm-hmm. take things 
things like that too personal. So you, you learn. And one of the things I learned was these guys knew what they were talking about. So I started talking to the guy that, um, I believe he, he just runs it. Uh, and his name's Tyler James and he runs, a he, he's really big on Kickstarter and he, he runs a, a podcast and stuff about it as well. But me and him started talking about like different things that you could do for, uh, Kickstarters to improve them. And I started looking at how he was doing his, cause he's done quite a few of them. And, mm. um, so with the first one, it was like, actually the reason I started a Kickstarter was because my friend Tessie launched her album on there and oh, cool. she, she was the, um, drummer for dead boy and the elephant man. So, um, she came out with her solo project and it got backed and I was like, Oh, that's really cool. You know, what can you tell me about it? So she, she explained Kickstarter to me and I was like, maybe I could do that too, because I wanted to make a comic book and yeah. I've been, you know, drawing and painting and stuff for years. But when you do these art shows and stuff, um, you know, you're trying to sell something for a couple hundred bucks to a couple thousand dollars. And, mm. you know, it's hard to move that stuff. And I was like, I, I've always loved comic books. I love storytelling. And I was like, all right. I, and, and I did film for a while, which I wasn't a, um, wasn't very successful at, uh, <laughs> mostly because I, I'm not like a good collaborator with, um, large amounts of people. Sure. Um, so it's hard to be a director and, and not be necessarily too jazzed on working with people, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so I was like, you know, I can make a comic book as big and cinematic as I want. And to answer your question, what did I learn from Kickstarter? So I launched the first one and, um, you know, I had, I had no background on like what I was really supposed to do. So I just looked on the Kickstarter page and they gave you some advice and yeah. then I launched it. And then I started reaching out to people and I fortunately had enough friends and family and people that actually had liked my artwork already. Mm -hmm. I was able to get that funded and that was just for one issue of a comic. Yeah. And, um, and it was, it, it was a low dollar amount and I wasn't thinking big, you know, I wasn't like, I'm going to get this into diamond distribution or anything like that. <laughs> I was just like, I want to make a comic book and I yep. sell it to you. And that's what it is. It's not like people are donating to you. They are, it's an exchange of goods. They're giving you money. You give them a product. Right. Everybody wins. Mm -hmm. So, um, I did a really small print run. I think it was like 400 issues of Calamitous Black Devils, number one. And from that, you know, I got I got picked up by Broken Icon Comics, and now it has a larger distribution. Um, mm. But only in graphic novel format. I wasn't thinking that big. And then, um, so, you know, when it came around to the next project, because now I have now I have Calamitous Black Devils done, and I was like, oh, you know, I want to I want to make another book, but I don't have, you know, $5,000 to do this again. Yeah. So, um, and now I was thinking bigger and this is with the infernal pact. And I was like, I'm going to make three issues. I'm just going to do the whole series. I'm going to back it mm -hmm. now. And I was like, I'm going to do it as singles. And I, I hired CP Wilson who did, um, Wraith for Joe Hill. And he's oh, yeah. for stuff of legend as well. He did uh, a cover and then I got Steven Scott who uh, has drawn virtually everything for every company at some point. <laughs> uh, he did a cover for me. So I, here I am like, I'm like, you know, if I get these really cool artists on board, this will incentivize people to, um, 
back my project. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking bigger and, and taking advice from the comics tribe guys. And then, um, and, and then I started thinking about stretch goals and stuff like that. Cause I hadn't really considered it very much with the first, um, Kickstarter. So one of the stretch goals was everybody that backed it, got this free mini comic. And I got the cover for that one done by Rich Woodall. And, uh, so we reached that goal and then we reached the second goal, which was, I was going to hire a letterer, which ended up being awesome because Rachel Deering, uh, who has worked on horror anthologies, I think it's called uh, afraid of the dark is one of her horror anthologies. And she does, okay. she works on Archie comics and all sorts of stuff. She's very prolific. She, she's the one who gave me the advice on, you know, that I needed to hire an editor. So, um, <laughs> I did that and I got Sean Greenleaf, who is, uh, he works on Escape from Jesus Island and my books. And now he works on Oathbound and Astropunk as well. And I think he has another project that he's working on. And I forget what it is. And that makes me feel bad. (laughs) He is the guy that I collaborate with the best. So, um, my advice to people is, um, if you're going to do a Kickstarter, um, really do your research on it ahead of time. Like for this one, I realized that printing costs are really what the big deal is, right? Like I'm trying to get get a book printed. So, um, in order to, to get those, in order to make it feasible to put these books into stores or to get distribution or anything like that, if you're an independent creator, you have to buy a big print run in order to do that. It's, it's thousands of dollars, right? The cheaper way to do it, unfortunately is a graphic novel. Maybe it's unfortunate. Maybe it's not. I like single issues. I'm a comic book collector myself. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I'm the opposite. I like the graphic (laughs) novels. I like having them all compiled. (laughs) Yeah. My, my wife is a graphic novel person. She doesn't buy singles. And I realized there's a trend going towards that. You know, like when I do conventions, I can't sell my single issues, but I can sell right. graphic novels. So I was like, you know, after doing this for a couple of years now, I'm just like, you know, graphic novels are the way to go. Give somebody a full story and something mm-hmm. meaty to, to, to like read that takes up like maybe a couple hours of their life. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyway, so when I went into this, I, I, I found the, the printer that I wanted to use that could do the things I wanted to do with the comic. And, um, yeah, so um, cool. that's what's led me to, to my current phase of, of Kickstarter. Um, but the other you thing mentioned- is... Oh, yeah, go for no, it. No, 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 go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not making something that's like a Marvel or DC comic, you know, like a yeah. lot of just... Dis- a lot of the bigger distribution companies aren't going to come near my project. And I know that. <laughs> and, uh, but I don't want to make those books, you know, I don't want to make right. something safe. And right. yeah. so Kickstarter is awesome for this because i what it does is you build an audience. So from the Calamitous black devils, I made, I made fans and yeah, right. fans came and followed me into the infernal pact. And then that built, and now they've followed me into horror Babylon and I'm making newer fans. So mm-hmm. you're, you're just constantly growing your fan base and, um, and I'm doing something that's kind of in a niche market where I, I think when you guys saw me at, at Boston, I was sandwiched 
next to a woman that was doing like Disney princess pinups. Yeah, that's right. Selling <laughs> like horror and, and smut. And so that, that's a little strange, but that's the, that's the weird and cool thing about comic books now. Is but I mean, it worked out in a way because I was drawn to you. <laughs> yes. yes, but I felt bad for all the moms that walked by with their little yeah. they wanted to buy Ariel and I've got like all this satanic stuff. Up. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was kind of interesting placement nonetheless. But. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to ask about because uh, I, I get the impression you're you're pro kind of physical uh, comics and, and books and whatnot. Um, and digital stuff is kind of growing and I'm kind of, I guess, cause we've just, I've just moved countries and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm very pro digital right now. Cause it means I can keep all my stuff with me when I move around and, and things. Um, how do you feel like how, how you feel about that? And is there, a, uh, I mean, this is kind of a, a, a businessy sort of question, but, um, I've noticed that there's a trend where the digital stuff actually sometimes even more expensive than the physical stuff, especially from the big publishers. <laughs> well, like, yeah. Um, for me, I make the digital cheaper. Um, yeah. See, that's, I mean, I, it seems like that's how it would work out. Yeah, that's you how don't I have feel to it should it, be. But, but all, you know. Well, the, the bigger guys don't have to be nice to you. Yeah. You know, they can charge you <laughs> cover the price for their books. Um, they they can charge for convenience. Really, yes. But, but Comixology has changed the, has changed the game for people. Um uh, mm. I think it was uh, Becky Cloonan put out like a book almost exclusively uh, digitally and then turned mm. around and printed it later. I think. Yeah, right. Okay. And I could be wrong about that. It, it's called the Meyer. Um, I know it. I know that there are physical copies of it. But uh, for a while, I thought it was just a digital book. I know that J.K. Woodward did Behemoth for Monkey Brain, and that is only done digitally. Right. You, you can't get a physical copy of it. So, um, yeah, there is a, there is a trend towards digital. I'm not opposed to it. I prefer a physical copy in my hand going <laughs> forward. People will be able to buy digital books from me. You won't be yeah. able to get some of my stuff digitally. Like I'm never going to put a Tijuana Bible up digitally, <laughs> right? So, but, um, well, you never know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the infernal pact, you can get the whole series on comiXology. Uh, you can <laughs> get the entire graphic novel for the Calamitous Black Devils um, on drive-through comics. I think. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really make a cut off that, so I don't promote it too hard. But yeah. uh, you can buy issues one and two off of Comicsology, and I get the profits from that. Uh, yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, and Horror Babylon, when it's done, um, so for everybody that backs the book, you get a PDF of the book as it's produced mm -hmm. before, like every chapter when it's done will be sent to you. Now, how I'm approaching this book is I'm drawing uh, sort of sporadically. So page like 92 might get drawn before page 13. But mm -hmm. um, my my goal is to have everybody get their chapters, you know, have my chapters done in order so that people can um, read them one by one as they're produced uh, within like a couple of weeks of each other. Right. Yeah. So that cool. kind of makes it like the single issues. Yes. Yes. And um, I think, and I'm not positive about it yet, but I think when it's all said and done, I will probably deconstruct the book because um, I have these four awesome variant covers and I've got my own cover. 
Right. The book is five chapters long. So if oh, I cool. to deconstruct it chapter by chapter, I could put those covers on it and then put them out digitally one through five. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not something that I have seen anybody else do before, you know, mm-hmm. make the whole graphic novel and then break it down later. But um, it's something I'm going to seriously consider doing. And hopefully it'll, you know, gain some traction on, on the, the digital, on the webs for people that really like digital comics. And there are people who, who won't buy my physical books, but they will buy my, my books on <laughs> comiXology. And uh, there's yeah. a particular guy who, who really likes my work, but he won't buy a physical copy of it. He's like, nope, I <laughs> read digital. And I don't blame you. It's, it's, it's one of these things where the, um, it, it makes sense now. People don't have it, a ton of space and everything yeah. is hooked up to the web. And it just may, you know, if that's your, if that's how you enjoy the reading experience also with, with comiXology, they do that guided view thing, yeah, which is super cool. Cause it goes panel by panel or, um, yeah. or you can blow the page up and see all the artwork. So that's kind of cool too. Yeah. That's really handy on a phone. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, well, I mean, obviously it's better in general on an iPad or, or something bigger, but like, you know, if I was on the train stuck or something, I could like keep reading. It's cool. Yeah, I, I read the entire like darkness series. Uh, oh yeah. So I only I only own one issue of the the darkness, and I was like, oh, it's okay. But then it's <laughs> like you know, I I had nothing better to read or something. I don't know, and I, I ended up buying it. I really enjoyed it, and uh, but there's a lot of lot of stuff to read. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. A, it's a big series. So, um. Yeah, uh, Escape from Jesus Island, the uh, the artist who works for them, who did one of my covers, uh, they really push the digital because he cool. does everything digitally and he does all this intricate work. Um, like there's little hidden stuff in every panel. And so okay. you really can't see it unless you buy the digital version. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you work physically or do you work digitally? Like with that? So like just in general. I, I, I do a mixture of both. Um, with Calamitous Black Devils, everything was drawn. And, but how that book was done was so bizarre. Like literally every panel was a sheet of paper. So I have this stack in the corner of my house. That's every single panel of the calamity black devils. That's cool. And I would scan it in <laughs> and then I would, I would rearrange it on the page and then I would, uh, digitally ink it. Cool. Oh, wow. Uh, with the infernal pact, I would, do these really, um, I, I did them on traditional size comic book pages and then I'd scan them in. I would create a black, I, I'd paint the whole page black and I would, um, change the opacity so that I could see through the black and I didn't use a paintbrush. Instead, I, I erased. Oh, cool. Panels. And so that's how you get the look for the infernal pact is that it's right. It's sort of like scratch board. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And, and that takes forever. So <laughs> sure. when I was done with that series, I'm like, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> and so now I'm I, basically horror Babylon is I've come back to doing traditional, but now my skills have vastly improved. Yeah. Right. So, um, now I'm doing more traditional work. Um, and it, how I go into it now is, um, I'll either do my roughs in the computer and print them out and then re-rough them out again and then scan them back in and then digitally ink them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> or I'll do start to finish uh, all on the computer. Okay. So, um, yeah, the I use a Wacom tablet 
Mm-hmm. And cool. I use Kyle's brushes. Um, it's it's like different brush packs you can buy. Cool. So, hey. And they've got some really cool ones. Uh, but I highly recommend, you know, I it's a one-time deal. You, you have to buy the Wacom tablet and then you, 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 you can use the basic brushes that you're just given with Photoshop or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't have to buy paper anymore unless I'm, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. It, yeah, yeah. when I look in that corner where there's cobwebs and the climate black devils is sitting, I'm like, yeah, that was kind of cool. And, and I do commission work and stuff like that. You know, I do sketch covers and everything. So I, I can physically draw on things, but digital is so much more forgiving. I can go into it as loose as I want, yeah. not really think about it. And like, so I'll lay my page out. I've got my roughs and I can walk away and come back and I can see all the proportions and like figure out what's screwed up with it and what's great about it and then fix it, you know, just move everything around. So mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. a, it's a better product in my opinion. Um, cool. You're not married to whatever you put down to begin with. Mm. So. All right. Well, uh, we've taken up a bunch of your time, but I want to ask, uh, before you go, what is your favorite horror movie and why? Oh, wow. Uh, that's a, <laughs> no pressure. That's a no tough. pressure. <laughs> well, could I do it? I, you're asking for one, but I have like, Oh, you can do it. You can list a few. I don't think I could pick one either. Yeah. It, it, it goes by like, it, it goes about time periods for me, you know, like when right. I was a kid, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. That's when I was into slasher films, really. You know, and I, I have this, you know, for a grown man, I've got this big collection of Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street memorabilia that I still build on, which is a little interesting because yeah. my kids are like, I want to play with that. And I'm like, no, that's my. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have the problem with nieces and nephews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some of us, we're like, no, 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 those aren't toys. Yeah, those, yeah. Are, those are our <laughs> figurines. <laughs> So that, that's my, that's my big collectioner. And I guess if you wanted to ask me what, what my absolute favorite horror movie was, the one that sticks with me still today is Nightmare on Elm Street part one. Okay. Right. Awesome. Uh, I know it sounds pretty generic, but when you're a kid and you no, see that no, no. I'm in the, the practical effects, you know, when his mm-hmm. arms stretch across the streets yeah. and like his face gets ripped off and like the girls getting diced up on the ceiling. I mean, all that stuff was just like, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And there's no CGI in it. And I, that's the problem with horror movies today is like, they take the oh, yeah. CGI <laughs> out of it and it, it loses its spook factor altogether. Mm-hmm. You're just like, if, if they do it, the Peter Jackson route, you know, mix the CGI <laughs> with the just blood practice. everywhere. Yeah. See, I would say, I always say evil dead just because it, for me, evil dead sums up everything that I love about horror movies is like the how goofy, goofy they are. practical yeah. effects. And then, and you mentioned evil dead two earlier. I actually love evil dead two, maybe more just in general, just because oh, of evil dead two. For, you have to understand, like we're talking about different time periods when I discovered evil dead two, because that yeah. was an indie film, you know, that, that wasn't yeah. a lot of press. I remember I, I was at my grandparents' house and, um, they had HBO and there, it was around Halloween or something. And, and it was playing evil dead two. And I was like, oh, wow. And um, it was just like a little clip they showed. And it was the woman's head falling into his lap while he's in the <laughs> yeah. cabin. Yeah. And Nancy I was like, head. that looks like the scariest movie I've ever seen. So I stayed up really, really late. And I watched, I watched like this horror marathon. I think it was like Children of the Corn and like a couple other things. And then Evil Dead 2 came on. 
And, and that like changed my world. I was like, what is this? This is like the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. It's funny. It's gross. It's crazy. Yeah. It's and like then, weird yeah. and trippy and it's awesome. At the end when he ends up in the medieval times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is, and then when army of darkness came out, I remember yeah. seeing the movie poster and I'm like, this is evil dead three. You know, I yeah. yep. grasped yep. the concept. Well, they should have just called it Evil Dead 3. It would have done gangbusters. But yeah, yeah. Army of Darkness, when I saw the movie poster, I was like, I have to go see this thing. I'm like, I finally get to figure out what happened to him when he went back. <laughs> when he went back. Is the- but, yeah. uh, and I love the series that's on TV. And now, yeah. Now, yeah. whatever. What is it? 20, 30 years later, you can find out even more. Yeah, it's great. Oh, it, 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 you know, Sam Raimi and, and Bruce Campbell together should just be like, you know, oh, like okay. a Johnny Depp and Tim Burton team up. Or <laughs> yep. It's just great. Um, so, yeah, then there was uh, then I went through this like phase where I was trying to watch disturbing movies. And I oh, yeah. like mm-hmm. Salo, 120 Days of Sodom and Antichrist and a Serbian film. And then I was like, I'm all done with those. Those aren't really horror movies as much as they want. No, they're, yeah, no, I agree. I'm not, yeah. I'm not into that stuff. Yeah. It, they're more for the shock value. Yeah. And- I like monsters and, and a bit of, bit of comedy in there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. I just really like the B grade, the really cheesy ones. You ever seen night of the demons, the original one? Is that the, Night of the demons? I think her name's, I think it's Alice is the name of the, uh, the evil person in that one. And she looks like an, like a sort of demonic undead, uh, black bride, you know, she's got the Dario Argento one. That's just demons. I think. Yeah. Yeah. You got to see night of the demons. It's, it's ridiculous. There's, there's these really stupid effects in it that don't make any sense, but you just, (laughs) (laughs) well, that was my, my final question was going to be, is there a a favorite guilty pleasure horror movie of yours? So maybe this counts, Um, uh, or is there something better? I think, well, man, such tough questions. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Guilty pleasure horror movie. Um, geez. uh, They're all kind of like, I, the ones that I'll tell you what, the one that I watch the most of, and it's not a guilty <laughs> pleasure or anything because it's just badass, is the thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. yeah. yeah. Th- and I would consider that a horror movie over a sci fi film. Yeah, totally. It's, mm. it's, it's ridiculous. John Carpenter it, is great. Isn't he, though? It's just like, and yeah, I really wish he was making more movies. Uh, yeah. I heard he's coming back to do Halloween again, which I'm super excited about. And, um, yeah, Halloween is one of those where it gets play once a year. Uh, recently, I've been watching, uh, what was it that came out last year? It Follows. I really liked that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then um, this year, it, people are mixed on it, but I thought it was super creepy was The Witch. Um, oh, yeah. People went uh, I, I we liked did watch it. that. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't. I found it a little boring. It was a little dry. Mm. I think I, I liked people it. went into I just, thinking it was going to be like a satanic bloodbath or something like that. <laughs> That's and probably it, why I was expecting was, more. Yeah, it, it it ended up being like a period piece with like right. yeah. See, I was a little yeah. disappointed. I mean, this is a spoiler. Sorry, listeners, if you haven't seen the witch, close your ears for a second. I was a little disappointed that there there was a witch at the end. You know? Yeah, that's right. Because I was I was actually like the scariest thing about the, that film. I thought was that. Like that I could believe that the, this actually happened in a way, like yeah. the family all turning on each other and stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the because the, it did happen, right? But yeah, just having a witch kind of ruined everything. <laughs> well, it wasn't that it was just a witch. There was multiple witches, and then that right 
Like it, I, yeah, sure. yeah. it was one of these things where, you know, I was, there was no shocks in it. There was no jump scares. Mm. It wasn't gory. Well, except for when the baby dies, but, uh, but it, it sets a tone right from the beginning of like, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then, yeah. and then as it builds, you know, when she's floating up to the sky at the end of it, you're kind of like, she was fucked from the beginning. Right. Like, yeah. She never had a shot. The devil had her. And to think mm. that like these people that, you know, really, truly and honestly believe in God and, you know, they're God fearing people for her to give up everything because she was put in such a awful situation. You just yeah. it, it, it's got like this really dreadful feeling to it. And that's why I liked it. Mm. Okay. It, it was more of a, uh, it, it wasn't like I saw the movie and I was like, that movie was awesome. It was like I walked <laughs> up and then like 10 minutes later, I was like, man. That movie was fucked up. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what I like about horror movies. I like the ones that kind of stick with you. I think using jump scares too much is pretty cheesy. Mm. Um and it's it's nothing that really gets under your skin later on. Mm. Or, yeah. Or when there was like that string of uh Japanese films that were being remade into American movies like The Grudge. Oh, the Ring. And, yep. Those first came out like I remember they got some jumps out of me. And a- actually mm. after I saw The Ring for the first time it was like I, I was in a car with my ex-girlfriend and we we're like driving to New York or something. And I'm like, it's been seven days. We're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the first time I saw the ring, the, you know, the, the sequence at the end, which comes out of the TV and everything like that. That was like, that was really cool. That's great because you think it's over. At that Cause time. I'd never seen that kind of, yeah, that was a new thing <laughs> to me. Yeah. And then yeah, it's very cool. Mm. And the grudge too, the opening for the grudge. Like I went to get yeah. that in times square with a couple of my friends and they were like holding on to each other. They're like, Oh my God, it's going to be good. So, but yeah, different time periods, different loves, different kinds of work mm-hmm. movies that I like. Um, cool. I, 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 I really like the stylized ones. I like practical effects and I just mm-hmm. like, like super cheesy digital CGI ghosts. They really piss me off. So, <laughs> yeah. so you're not a fan of Ghostbusters then? So bad. I wanted to love Crimson Peak and I, because it was digital. I liked Crimson Peak overall, but yeah, I do agree. The, his practical stuff was better. So Ghostbusters is all CGI. Is that what you said? Yeah, I think so. The new one. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I haven't seen it. I don't know. I haven't either. (laughs) My my wife went to go see it with, uh, she took my oldest daughter and I, I think they really enjoyed it. So Oh, I'm sure it will end up on our shelf at home. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's perfectly fine and inoffensive. Right. It's not, I don't think it's going to be, you know, so, um, yeah. but yeah, uh, thanks for talking to me today. And yeah. I, I like yeah. thanks so much stuff. If you ever want to talk about spooky stuff again, I'm into we it. We always do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Ooh. So listeners go to Kickstarter and check out the horror of Babylon. Yep. Uh, there's you've funded it about halfway now and there are I think 19 days left at this point yeah so get in there quick yeah get some cool rewards cool rewards there's original art um, commissions variant covers like I said from some really uh, cool artists get in mm-hmm. now and you can get those things yep, yep. awesome thank you Good Good yeah thanks so much that was our interview with Joseph Schmelke so if you're interested in checking out his Kickstarter, all the details will be in the show notes, or you can head over to multiplenerdgasm.com. Uh, we'll put the details up over there as well. 
And please check out our website, uh, get in touch with us, let us know what you liked, what you didn't like about the interview and who you'd like us to talk to, uh, just anything. We'd just love to hear from you. Uh, So yeah, until next time, that's it. Bye.